Hey everyone, this is Charlie Shrem, and you're listening to Untold Stories. This is a show where we dive deep into the lives and personal histories of some of crypto's most influential leaders and find out how the crypto movement truly came to be. Let's dive in. This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Scott Offord, the creator of Crypto Mining. Scott's a broker of ASIC mining gear and helps people buy and sell their miners. He created a Bitcoin mining profitability calculator and an interactive ASIC hardware comparison chart that you can find at CryptoMining.Tools. It's the only free online tool for calculating profitability and days to ROI. That includes the impact of the Bitcoin block reward having. The calculator lets you put in your estimated uptime to give you a more realistic profit projections. So check it out and find Scott on Telegram and Twitter at O-F-F-O-R-D-S-C-O-T-T. That's O-F-F-O-R-D-S-C-O-T-T. Links are in the show notes. This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by eToro, the smartest crypto trading platform and one of the largest in the world with over $1 trillion in trading volume per year. U.S. customers can trade the most popular crypto assets with low and transparent fees. And if you're not ready to trade yet, practice building your crypto portfolio with the eToro $100,000 virtual trading feature. Best of all, you can connect with 11 million other eToro traders around the world, myself included, to discuss trading, charts, and all things crypto. Create an account at eToro.com. Links in the show notes and build your crypto portfolio the smart way. Untold Stories is powered by BlockWorks Group, the only event and podcast production company I trust. For access to the premier digital asset conferences and in-depth podcast content, Visit them at BlockWorksGroup.io. That's BlockWorksGroup.io. I promise you will not be disappointed. Throughout the course of the past decade, wow, it's been it's been a decade in in crypto. I can't believe it. Well, like eight or nine years, there have been a bunch of books and movies and um, a lot of articles and exposés written about my life. And you know, I kind of read them from the um, from me looking out. And to get that perspective, and a lot of the information is accurate or inaccurate or whatever. My next guest is very, I'm very excited about because she's my wife, of course, Courtney Shrem. And what's great about having her on the show today is we've been together from pretty much when I got into crypto in 2012. And She'll be able to give you that perspective from a female perspective, but also as being there with me during a lot of the major events of not just my life, but in crypto and give you that better perspective of who some people are, how they built their startups and their companies, and really how the crypto movement truly came to be, not just from my perspective, but from someone else's. Courtney, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So, Court, what was your first foray into crypto and and tell us like honestly what you thought of not the people yet but just the whole concept of crypto in general well i was introduced to crypto uh working at a nightclub called evr in new york city um basically that was the first uh prominent bar slash nightclub to accept cryptocurrency as payment uh so i was a cocktail waitress there 
And I was one of the first people to do the first transactions for Bitcoin to be accepted. Did you really understand what you were doing? Or I was it had just like no a joke? idea. <laughs> I honestly just thought it was another payment system. I really didn't get the concept of how big this thing was. So just get. like another form of payment processing. Yeah. And what, that was like a PayPal situation. Do you, do you remember around like what year was this? Uh, this was 2013 for me. And who, who was the one actually buying? What were they buying and who and and why were they doing it? Like, what was the whole point of it? What's the difference between credit card and, and Bitcoin? Well, the nice thing about um, I learned with Bitcoin is that you can't do chargebacks. So, for example, we would have a lot of people try and buy bottles and then say that they never bought the bottles. But so they show up the next day saying, <laughs> I never bought $10,000 worth of booze the night before. Exactly. And then charge it back. And they would try and charge it back. Huh. But because it's Bitcoin, it's instantaneous cash that pulls out right away. So... Um, they cannot go back on their word with that. They have already purchased the items. It's an it's an instantaneous transfer, but you don't have to worry about chargebacks. And this is this is not like a libertarian or anarchist thing. This was a real life situation in the entertainment industry, hospitality, where you have a lot of chargebacks. So from a nightclub perspective, someone comes in, spends 10 grand. And even if you have them on camera, even if you have them, you know, spending the money and literally like like swiping the credit card on camera and you could tell like all the proof you need they can still come back and up for you're fighting them now for 60 days with a credit card and that's money that you don't have but with bitcoin it's instantaneous yes it's very interesting and tell us a little about yourself and and you know where you grew up and and how you ended up working in that nightclub so I'm originally from York, Pennsylvania. Um, I moved to New York City in 2001. Um, basically, I was a dancer, so I was signed with a dance agency um, for about two years and then crossed into acting, so then I did a lot of on-camera um, commercial print work, uh, modeling, acting, so forth. I've done a couple of feature films that you can check me out on IMDb. I've watched them. I know you have. <laughs> um, and then, honestly, 2013, I ended up just pounding the pavement, looking for a job in the dead of winter, and this door that didn't even have a label on it um, happened to be EVR um, later on, and that's where my life has changed. And that was a crazy place because um, that nightclub was one of the first locations to accept Bitcoin um, for payment. And this was 2013 and it was partially owned by myself. Eric Voorhees is my listeners know who's the founder of Shapeshift and was the founder of Satoshi Dice and also worked at, at BitInstant. He's a very well-known libertarian and, and Bitcoiner. Um, it was also owned by Yifu Guo, owned a piece of that place too. And Yifu, you know, would, would show up with with uh, champagne showers, with champagne showers, <laughs> but Yifu was while he wasn't spraying champagne on people, he was founding the first ASIC, and he yeah. Yifu fundamentally changed mining, um, as we know it, because before he invented the ASIC, the application specific integrated circuit machine, which is ninety nine point nine, if not a hundred percent of all Bitcoin and other altcoin mining are, is done on ASICs today. It was done <clears throat> even by Satoshi himself on uh, CPUs on your laptops, computers, or on 
graphics cards, which were also in computers, but people set up mining farms. And what, what Yifu invented, for, for my listeners' knowledge, Yifu invented a, a type of um, computer, a type of chip, essentially, which can only mine Bitcoin. So from its outset, this chip could only mine Bitcoin and do nothing else. It cannot even be a calculator. It can't do one plus one equals two. So if Bitcoin ceased to exist, these machines that are worth, that, are, that cost tens of thousands of dollars each are literally just paperweights. And what would Yifu do on his free time at the club? <laughs> I mean, free time, he would have a drink and buy Bitcoin. With yeah, it. that's that's and that's that's what this place was. And, and buy so, tables. And... Um, people would hold court at the club, you know, and, and you'd get a lot of. Do you remember any stories of any like Bitcoiners coming into the club and uh, people wanting to use Bitcoin? Oh, it was crazy, especially in 2013. It was probably, I would say two or three months into me working at EVR, um, people were just constantly coming in and asking about this concept and that they wanted to use this Bitcoin. I think there was like a big promotion or something that EVR did to get people to keep coming in. And then it was a buzzword. And then the press started coming in. And then I was like, wow, this is actually bigger than I ever anticipated it to get. Was it really easy to to accept Bitcoin? Was was the process difficult to do? No, it was very easy. You just take an iPad QR code, match up their phone with the QR code, and and instantaneously comes out of their account. And um, for those who have read um, Bitcoin Billionaires by Ben Mesrick, who we just had on the show, um, you know our, how we got together and our whole first date and everything is <laughs> is in the book. Do you can you tell that story of how we how we first got together? Oh, okay. So I was working at the nightclub um, one. Uh, evening and basically uh our friend alex which was my boss at the time and part or owner of evr which was your best friend or is your best friend our best friend now um basically was like we're all going out for drinks tonight and i think charlie's coming would you want to come and i said oh yeah sure whatever so we end up going well i ended up going to meet at the bar that we were supposed to be meeting at you go and meet up at the bar that we're supposed to meet at, and then no one else showed up. So we were it was just us. It was just us. Before so you tell us the, up. the rest of the story, what what was going on it was I was driving home from work, and Alex called me about all of us hanging out, and Yifu was in the car with me, and we either had to make a left to drive back to Brooklyn or make a right to go to the club. And I said, Yifu, like, do you want to go to the club for a drink? And he said. No, I want to go home. And I said, well, I, I kind of want to hang out with this Courtney girl. And Yifu said, drop me off. I'll take a train. And if he hadn't said that, we probably would have. I probably would have driven him back to Brooklyn because I had promised him a ride. It was that fork in the road. It was that fork in the road. <laughs> and I made the right turn. I dropped him off and I made the right turn instead <laughs> of the left turn. And then we, we hung out that first night together. Yep. And, and then you threw up all over I me. did. It was awesome. I did. I should never drink <laughs> Jameson or do any of that because... I threw up all over you, but when I, I gave came, you the benefit of the doubt, though, because you were nervous. When I came back from the bathroom, I didn't. You weren't. You you didn't leave. You were still there. Nope. I thought I'd give you another chance. And the rest, the rest is the history. rest is history. Absolutely. So, so we got together. We started dating, and this was really these, these were really some some you know like crazy days in the early Bitcoin world, um, where the space was kind of figuring it, figuring itself out. Right. I mean, um, we didn't really know what to do. In fact. 
one of the first the first Bitcoin conferences you were at, it was mm -hmm. called Bitcoin 2013 in San Jose, California. San Jose, yep. And what's interesting is I was helping plan this conference run by the Bitcoin Foundation. And I have to be honest with you, like we didn't know if people would show up like this conference. We didn't we didn't have the uh, confidence that it would actually take off because up until that, so new. it was so new. But up until the, that point, um, you know, nowadays there's a Bitcoin conference every day. Like literally you can you can. I Right now, there's probably a Bitcoin conference or a crypto conference or a blockchain or whatever going on somewhere in the world. Yep. There is guaranteed at least 50 people congregating somewhere in the world today talking about crypto. Absolutely. But back then there was none, like zero, because it only existed on the Internet. And so... Um, is there still meetups? There are meetups every day. There's crazy stuff going in on. In parks. You know, as you know... <laughs> We were we went to to Fort Myers, Florida, a few weeks ago, just mm -hmm. just for a weekend vacation. And little, you know, Fort Myers is not a big city by any means. You know, it's not a it's not in the top twenty places you go when you want to say I want to visit Florida. It should be though; it's beautiful. But we were able to get forty something, fifty people together, all paying a hundred bucks to have dinner, to just to hear me talk. Yep. I mean, that's how big crypto is today. Absolutely. But going back to this conference, you were. You traveled with me. We had first started dating and I'm asking you, we were like dating for like maybe three, four months. <clears throat> yep. And I'm asking you to travel with me to California. We barely knew each other. So this like geeko nerdy conference <laughs> in San Jose with all these other Bitcoiners. Why did you say yes? <laughs> well, obviously I fell for you as soon as I met you. Um, honestly, I just... You're actually the first person that I or the first guy that I actually would be like, OK, I'm going to travel to these three states and not really know him that well. But I'm just going to take a leap of faith and just see how it goes. And people say, if you can travel with someone and you don't want to kill each other, then you're <laughs> on the right track. <laughs> um, no, but I was just so intrigued by the whole uh, Bitcoin crypto space that and I was just so inspired by the innovation and the way people had so much different visions of Bitcoin and crypto. And it, and it wasn't even just about money. It was about changing the world. And I just was just blown away and drawn to that and just enjoyed the ride and, and still enjoying the ride. It was just amazing. Well, so but you you related really well to the to the people. So so Bitcoin back then and still today is is not just about the space it's about the people in it and your background is you've been hustling since you've been 18 mm -hmm. you're an actress and you've booked major films on your own without even an agent you right. know you've you've been paid to travel to places like Denmark film movies live there and have this these movies in in theaters and you book this stuff on your own right yep. like yep. that if that's not making it if that's not hustling i don't know what else is and the crypto space very much so back then and even now it's filled with people like yourself like hustlers right like people that we don't fit in anywhere else and we need to make it so like you you fit in really well like all these people accepted you with open arms when a lot of people don't get as much as a warm reception as, as you got especially in 2013 right what was that like <laughs> it was it was um it was interesting uh, in the beginning, it was kind of intimidating because I didn't really know much about 
the space per se as much as everyone else. I just knew. I don't think anyone knew about the space. <laughs> I just think there was just certain <clears throat> concepts I knew from working at the nightclub that I can relate to when they're talking about a QR code or a PGP key or something like that. Um, but meeting the people throughout this whole um Bitcoin lifestyle is just it's it's been amazing. People are so creative and just so warm and so just they don't really care what people think. They do what they love. They do what they believe in. And you're either on that ride or you're not, you know, and that's what I love about it. There's no judgment. Any specific scenarios or people that you remember that that kind of stick out at you? Um. Oh, my gosh. Well, Eric Voorhees, obviously, him and his beautiful wife, Michelle. Um, oh, my gosh. You name it. Bruce Fenton. Uh, Roger Vier. For better or for um, worse. Anthony. For, yeah. Anthony. Um, Anthony. Tony Gallippi. Uh, to, or Tony Gallippi. But uh, Anthony from. Oh, and yeah. From um, uh, from Canada. Canada. Decentral. Yeah. Anthony DiOrio. DiOrio. His name slipped. Anthony's a great character, too. We we spent time with him in Argentina before he and, – and I remember, and one of the a big regret is – so we're sitting in Argentina. It was me, you, and him sitting in Argentina, and he was pitching me this concept of Ethereum. And I was like, oh, I'm just all Bitcoin for life. Like, I don't know what this Ethereum crap thing is. And I had an opportunity to get in at the Ethereum token sale, and I and I bought a little bit, but not as much as I as I wish I did. Um, so that that – taught me a valid lesson of like keeping my ears open and actually listening to people, even though if I don't agree with them. Right. Right. Brandon Goldman. Um, oh my gosh. You're just putting me on I the spot. I need to write these I down because all these, these are some, people. <laughs> some great people I need to get on the show later. So I'm going to, I'm going to write this down. Um, but we've had, we've had some, some, some crazy times together. So, so that Bitcoin 2013 conference was like the first real conference. And then we ended up, after that, traveling to some crazy places together, meeting some some crazy people, and um, had your perception start to change? Had you had any first impressions that you said maybe I have to give it a second a second thought? No, I I think I was with you the whole way, Charlie. I think I just what you believed in, I believed in, and I saw what you saw, and it just like I said, it just intrigued me. The more and more Bitcoin grew up. And it did, it did grow up mm-hmm. like it, it, I felt like when we first started dating, um, Bitcoin was maybe going through its like, I don't know, early high school years trying to figure itself out. I wouldn't even put it at that. I would say like still elementary school. And now Bitcoin is or crypto in general is probably in college now, you know, it's still figuring itself out. What's the next step? Will it exist? Coming up with all these names. And when you're in college or university, you're being pulled in a lot of different directions. And a lot of people are trying to influence your decision, especially if you're someone that people want to be around. And, you know, we can all relate to those of us who have been to to university. We can relate to that time in our lives when we're being pulled in different directions um, and being influenced by different people and things. That's where crypto is at at this point. It's trying to be influenced by outsiders. And we have to be very careful with that because we don't want to lose the impurities and we don't want to forget why we're actually here and what started this all. And that's one of the reasons I decided to do this show because I wanted to remind people 
where we came from. And you're a very integral part of that. And I wanted to remind people where we came from and, and why we're here. Because really, in order to understand where we're going and to have direction, you know, even Gandhi said it, you need to remember where you came from. You know, I, the one sad part about the space is that, you know, in the beginning, everybody was so excited and, you know, so determined to, you know, change different things that are going on in society. But a lot of people had the money go to their head. And I feel like a lot of people were in it for the wrong reasons. And I'd like to see that kind of turn around and, you know, go against itself and go back to when people were excited and but, happy and, you know, not going into the drugs, not doing, you know what I mean? Like, it was just. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. A lot of our friends succumb to that problem with drugs. We've, we've lost a few great people along the way, like Jake, you know, may he rest in peace. Mm -hmm. Wonderful guy. Um, we've lost people. And it's 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 a shame because it happens. Um, and a lot of people change their whole attitudes towards, you know, with money and things like that. But I feel like I'm a victim of that, too. When we first started dating and I started um, after a year or so of us dating, there was the first Bitcoin bubble. And that really um, I went from having no money to a few hundred thousand dollars and I would walk around like my shit didn't stink. Right. And so. Definitely, we rose together very high, but then, you know, everyone knows about the meteor, the crazy crash that, that we dealt with. And you were with me when I got arrested. Yes, I was. We were, we were together. The so JFK everyone, airport. Yeah. What, what happened that day? <clears throat> um, we were coming back from Amsterdam. You were speaking in Amsterdam and we were on a family vacation. My mom and a friend of ours, a family friend was with us and basically and then our friend Tom Holtzinger and his girlfriend at the time and when we were coming back we were in the airport and all I remember is that we were at customs and they were looking at our passports and looking at us and like saying welcome back blah 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 and then this other woman didn't even say a word and she just put her hand up yeah and I was like well that's weird so she put her hand up and as soon as she put her hand up a whole plethora of yeah, agents, agents DEA, um, you name it, came. And that was like the most horrible experience ever. I know. I don't like I didn't even know what, what was happening. And basically, they just took you in a holding room and they wouldn't let me talk to you. And uh, it's just, I mean, that's a moment that I just try to bury you know, yeah, yeah, we don't like talking about it, that we, but we rose from it. And, we did, and we've really come a long way. And you know, you learn from your mistakes, and you know, I think going through that with you too, I learned my mistakes too, as far as which like were what the partying and like just it was a whole different perspective of life when you weren't, you know, at your sabbatical. <laughs> but, but then you know, so when you you know, quit smoking and you quit drinking. Well, I didn't quit drinking, but I quit smoking. <laughs> you quit partying. I quit partying. And because um, when you were going through that situation, I was going through my situation at home waiting for you to come back home. So you 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 moved you moved back home. I did. And when I went into when I went went into prison, you left New York, too, and yeah. moved in back with your mom. 
Yeah. So because that prison was only like an hour and a half drive and we wanted to be close to each other. I mean, even and plus though- my grandmother was very sick and uh, she moved in with my mom. So I chose to go back and help my mom take care of or help mom take, take care of her grandma. You you took a sabbatical from your own career, which was doing very well at that point, being an actress and now mm-hmm. voiceover artist. But yeah. Um, you actually booked a national commercial while living in Pennsylvania, which was great. <laughs> I felt good about that because I was living with the guilt of the, of that you had taken a break from your career. Right. And you, everyone knows how hard it is once you take a break from a career. Um, but, you know, I and, I and I'll always love you for that. I love you, you too. You moved home and we, we were able to see each other, you know, twice a month, which, which was a lot because um, most people you don't get to choose what prisons you go to. And so a lot of the inmates I was in with had their, their family in places, states away. And, you know, it's obviously very expensive to, to travel twice a month and leave your jobs and your kids and everything to visit your loved ones. So I had friends who hadn't seen their families in months and we were able to see each other. And I was very grateful for that. You know, when I was in prison, I didn't have a lot of communication other than people than talking to you every day and then I had some people write me letters, which I would read some of them to you and and everything. But even my email was very limited. I could only email like 10 people. And these were pre-selected and we could talk people. Like two to three minutes. Per... Yeah, we only had 10 minutes a day. <laughs> 10 minutes a day. But from what you told me, I had a lot of support from people on the outside. And Absolutely. People that reached out to you. Absolutely. What, what type of stuff went on while I was in prison? As a mining equipment broker, Scott Offord wants to make sure his clients are well-informed and making data-backed business decisions. Scott created the only free online tool for calculating profitability and days to ROI for miners. It's a better way to compare the efficiency of various models of ASIC miners and to see how the price of the miner and the efficiency impacts your mining profitability. So check it out at CryptoMining.Tools and find Scott on Telegram and Twitter at O-F-F-O-R-D-S-C-O-T-T. That's O-F-F-O-R-D. S-C-O-T-T. eToro's crypto trading made easy. It's one of the largest and smartest trading platforms in the world with low and transparent fees. Join myself and 11 million other traders and create an account today at eToro.com. Links in the show notes and build your crypto portfolio the smart way. What, what type of stuff went on while I was in prison? Well, I do remember the uh, Bitcoin being at the 230 mark and... Was that its lowest point? The lowest point. The ultimate hold. I was like, Charlie, it's a two thirty. This is a great point right now. You know, (laughs) it's it's going up. It's going up. Um, But I don't know. I just I think, like you said, you had a huge support system, and you didn't even realize it. And I do remember you saying to me on numerous occasions that you were afraid that you were going to be forgotten. Forgotten. And I told you that was the biggest fear I had. I know, and I told you. Mark my words, you will not be forgotten. You've changed a lot of lives. You're still changing lives. I mean, look at where you are today. You know, look where we are. And just, I just can't express how proud I am of you. And just, you inspire me every day because of where you've been and where you are today. I think to be honest, though, thank you. But I think more to be honest, I think our listeners are going to be more inspired by you than they are going to be inspired by me. Because it's one thing to be to be out there and blindly following your vision, but it's another thing to be the wife of someone who's blindly following a vision, right? Or to be a girlfriend at the time. Right. You know, we we didn't get married until two years ago, 
And, you know, people give credit to Gandhi. You know, he's a big, I look up to him a lot, but people, not enough people give credit to Gandhi's wife. Right. Or, you know, behind every great man is a great woman. Behind every great woman is a great man. And that's very important for us to recognize because um, we were like the blind leading the blind in a way. <laughs> but that should be inspiring for people. And um, let's just say like in the beginning, I just thought it was a payment system. And then, you know, starting to date you and then, you know, as our life together just kept progressing and I kept seeing more and more of the crypto space and what it does for people, it just made me have that vision as well. And it's not just about a payment system. It's it's I see a lot more now. What is it? Um, I mean, like, um, basically just look at the nonprofit place, like people that don't have a payment system in all these third world countries, you know, they're able to send money to their families because they don't have a bank. Yeah, the fees are crazy right now. And the fees are crazy. Home. So it's just little things like that. Um, uh, and Tony Gallippi's sister. Bitgive. Yeah, Bitgive. I mean, look what they're doing. It's just all these different things. And it's just really inspiring to watch. Um, yeah. So you... You started doing voiceover work a few mm-hmm. a few years um, a few years ago. You started training and booking booking gigs for that. And um, my first um, job was I booked by Federal for Leonard Love. Yeah, you did. You did, did the, the animation uh, video. And um, voiceover work is a little bit harder because with acting on camera, you it's a lot of bit harder acting on camera. You. People, you can convey emotion using your face, facial expressions, your body expressions, mm-hmm. you can, your voice and everything. But with voiceover work, you have to convey a message and emotion just through voice. Yep. And, you know, we're, we're talking on a podcast right now. They can't see us, but they can hear us. Right. And I hope they can. I hope I do a good enough job that to convey this stuff. But what was that like transitioning from... Not that you've left on-camera work, but you realize that you're actually pretty damn good at voiceover work, and you kind of fell into it accidentally. Yeah, I um, I got into it. I was actually studying at Florida Studio Theater here in Sarasota, and I just, you know, just thought I'd just get my feet wet and just try this eight-week course of voiceover studying with John Burr uh, from Voiceover Dynamics, and I ended up really loving it and. When we got married, I got an email from John Burr personally saying, you know, I I saw a lot of potential in you. Would you like to study, you know, individually? And I was like, sure, you know, why not? Whatever. But mark my words, I almost walked out because it is so frustratingly hard. It is not easy. And it's just something I'm not a quitter. So I literally didn't walk away. And I... Ended up progressing very fast, and you have a very good voice on the on the audio. Thank you. I can hear it now. I close <laughs> Thanks, my babe. eyes. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, and I like voiceover because you just you get to play, and there's no judgment because they can't see you as far as like if you're playing like a children's voice or you're playing, you know, sultry whatever it is. They can't see what you look like. So you can sound completely different than what you actually portray on camera. How can people find you and book you if they wanted to? Uh, you can find me on 
uh, bookcourtney.com, which is my website. B-O-O-K-C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y.com, bookcourtney.com. And you can also find me on Facebook, Courtney Shrem. Um, and then my Twitter, which is at Court M. Warner. Yeah, handle Court M. Warner. So, yeah, so yeah, basically that's how you can find me. Where do you see this crypto space going in the next five years from now? I don't see Bitcoin dying. I think there's too many people involved and too many people that are true believers in it that I think it's not going to be the prominent type of payment system, but I think it will be alternate. I think it will be another alternative. Well, you, we talked, you know, and this is a general theme on the show is that us versus them and the the um, the old space versus the new space. And for better, or for worse, it's changed. Um, I think it's changed for the better, but definitely miss the old camaraderie that it has that it had had. Um, it's still there. We've had guests like Marshall Long on the show who talk about this. And we had Mo Levine. Mo Levine runs the um, great guy. Great guy. <clears throat> Mo runs the big the um, <clears throat> excuse me. That's Mo had honor. run. Thank you. <laughs> Mo had started one of the first Bitcoin conferences around the time of Bitcoin 2013. He actually started his first conference a few months later after that. But his conference every year, Bitcoin Miami, is the conference where Everyone goes. And no matter who you are, where you are in the world or the space, we all kind of reconnect or reconvene at Bitcoin Miami in January. And so we don't even, I don't even know what we're doing this January, but more than likely we're going to be going to Bitcoin Miami. We go every year, except we missed one year because that was actually a few days after I was arrested. And Mo, yeah. Mo told the story of him getting on oh, stage. Oh, he played that joke. No, it, well, he told the, the, the true story oh. and then the joke after, but he told the story on the other on another show Yeah, um, how he had to go on stage and be like, I don't know where Charlie is. And then and then a year later, where we were actually at the conference, um, Mo got on stage yeah, and he's I like, I don't know where Charlie is. <laughs> and everyone was like, what, what? again? <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I'm here, everyone. But he told that story. Yeah. And um, that's a great conference that, that we love and, We've had some fun times at, at those events. I do want to say, um, <clears throat> don't anyone take offense if I couldn't name everyone that was in the space. I was just put on the spot there. Well, on that note, <laughs> um, have you seen a change in in the type of people that show up to these events? Because um, you've traveled to dozens of these conferences now. What type of changes do you see that there were before and versus what there is now? I'm seeing a lot more venture capitalists in the game, uh, oh, which yeah. is actually kind of refreshing. But at the same time, we don't want them taking over either. But um, I think when people see those types of people in this space, I think a lot more people grow respect because it's more of a legitimate t in their eyes, which we know it is legitimate. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's. One of the things that the crypto space lacked early on was that legitimacy. You get left out of every investor office. You couldn't get, raise any money. And then in the early in the early crypto conferences, there were no venture capitalists. There were no investors. There were no like big banks or anyone represented like that. It was just a bunch of uh, geeks, you know. And that's definitely changed a lot. 
And, you know, even like the dress code, one of the things Mm -hmm. Mo talked about was he wanted to make his conferences like where you can wear shorts and flip flops. And I still wear shorts and flip flops to all the conferences, (laughs) uh, you know, because I can. And but what, what Mo talked about on our episode here of Untold Stories was that he tries so hard to make sure people feel comfortable wearing whatever they want. But the dress code has changed. Like now you look out in one of his conferences and it's like people in suits and people wearing shoes and, and there are still a lot of people wearing flip flops and sandals and stuff like that and t-shirts, but it's definitely changed a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's interesting because in the beginning it was more of a social experiment, which pretty much I think it's not as social anymore because it's more, unfortunately people are more money driven with it where I'd like to see more of a social aspect come out of it again. What can we do? Um, I mean. Because okay. you need that. That, that, yeah. that's so, that, that social camaraderie is what drives people. You know, you could just be driven by money to an extent. Well, look at Jason King with, you know, his whole foundation. Like that's, yeah, he that, runs across America yeah, to raise money every exactly. year. Exactly. And but it's for the homeless, you know, and and look at the homeless being fed because of Bitcoin. That's awesome. I mean, that's a social experiment right there. Yeah, this whole thing is a social one. experiment, but you can't you can't you can be driven by the wanting to earn money just to an extent, but really um we're driven mo- we're driven more by um, social validation reasons than we are for money. And I feel like that's why we care about how many Facebook likes we have or how many Twitter retweets we have because at the end of the day, validation. we want social validation from our other human beings. Yeah, And so that social camaraderie or that friendship and that wanting to make the world a better place is really what brought Bitcoin and crypto to, to a point. You know, and up until like 2015, I think, I think 2015, that bear market or 2016 was like such a pivotal point because when Bitcoin started going to 20,000 from 500, you know, around 2016, um, it's recent. That really was a pivotal moment because the, during that bear market of 2014 to 2016, you lost a lot of early people. But you also weeded out a lot of people. And then the newer wave of people that came in were driven more for like capital capitalistic reasons. And that's okay than they were for, for social reasons. Right. And you saw that change. Yeah. Some we've lost friends, but not just by by death and stuff like that. We've lost friends just because they've gotten burned out and left the space. Yeah. We've had some of those people on the show, but some of those people won't don't even want to come on the show just because they're completely burnt out. Yeah. Have you seen more females enter the space? <clears throat> Oh, absolutely. I remember in 2013 in San Jose, there was barely any females. You were the only one, really, basically. (laughs) I felt like I was the only one, Um, except for, you know, the news reporters. Yes. (laughs) Those were the only ones. Um, No, but honestly, that was actually really refreshing to see, too, as the years gone by, that there was more and more females in the space. And that's a great byproduct of this now, because you want to have more of an inclusive, but it's not just females. It's Right. You see more... um, Asian people coming to American conferences, you see more Russians, you see more, you know, more people are more open in terms of 
who they are. You know, in this crypto, you're not afraid to be who you are. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter your race or your religion or your sexual preference or uh, what gender you you decide to 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Whatever gender you decide to um, say you are, uh, not say you are. What's the I can't remember the word that labels you. You could choose just, your own labels. Okay. Basically, you could be whoever you want to be now. Right. And that, that that inclusion has gotten better. Okay, so that's one thing that in the world has gotten worse. I feel like, but in the crypto space, the inclusion has gotten better, and that's such a great byproduct. That's something great to see, right? Absolutely. I also like the fact that like Bitcoin. I have so many friends now because of Bitcoin, where I didn't think that I would. You know, and because you they're your friends, too. But like you said, they were very warm and welcoming and just they didn't care who you were, you know, what you looked like. It was just like you all had this one thing in common that it just made you grow as friends. And that's what was really cool to see, too. You think I'm crazy because a lot of I don't think you're crazy. (laughs) Like even coming up, we have people coming and staying at our house for like one or two nights. So we have. Um, Dr. Peter McCormick is going to be coming and staying with us for a night or two, just him. Then you have Ian Bellina yep. and his whole group of four people. But I mean, they're getting an Airbnb because it's a lot of people. They're coming to visit too. Right. And we, Ian, we've met before, but like, you know, Dr. McCormick, we, we don't know idea who this guy is. We've never, never even met him. Hopefully he's not like a serial killer or whatever. <laughs> right. He's staying at our house. No, he's not. He's a great guy <laughs> and everyone loves him. And he runs another podcast called whatbitcoindid.com. You know, our listeners can check it out. Um, but I, we, how many people have we had that have come stayed at our house that we have no idea who they are? Yeah. Like like husband and wife that just randomly show up from Russia. And, and then they end up being really cool. And they end up being really cool. And we end up Victor from, from Trust Wallet, right? Mm-hmm. Another great person. Him and his wife came down and stayed at our place for a night. Um, we've had some uh, Constantine from, from uh, Atomic Wallet and Changely yeah. stayed with us. Um, stays with us all the time. Yeah, we've made so many friends. Jeremy Gardner. Jeremy Gardner. He comes. He comes in every <laughs> he comes month. He and comes. Goes. He just shows up <laughs> randomly, and he's actually starting a new show called um, Crypto Chronicle or Crypto Castle Chronicles. And he oh, lives yeah. in Miami now. Um, that crypto, is that based on his his it's story his life. or yeah, his, it's his life? Story in of the his crypt- life. But that whole space has gotten so you know the whole so there are a lot of people like to talk about the negative. I like to talk about the positive and the negative. But I feel like the positive is really gotten better in that in those respects yeah what do you what do you what, what takeaways do you have for our listeners you know some people that are listening to the show and are first getting into crypto into bitcoin and they're they're, they're nervous to jump in um what would you say to them honestly i would just tell them there's nothing to be afraid of um this is something that is making history that's already made history and if you do invest in Bitcoin or any kind of alternative cryptocurrency. Don't put money in that you don't have. <laughs> yeah. That's, people take out like credit <laughs> don't card put a mortgage on your house. house. <laughs> and, you know, just um, just get your feet wet. Don't go all in and just see how it goes and see if it works for you. Are there are there specific um, jobs or, or roles that you see people can be filling? Do you? Are, what are we missing in terms of the the female perspective? Um, are there are there women in crypto groups that that people can join? Should they should they be afraid at all? I don't think they should be afraid. Because um, there are other if anything, they're representing the female, like you know, girl power. Like 
that's a big thing. And especially when women weren't in it in the beginning as much, and now it's spreading more and more. I think that's a huge accomplishment in a lot of ways. I think if anything, if this industry goes away tomorrow and Bitcoin ceases to exist, when it's being written about in history books, I, I don't, for those listeners, I don't hope that, I don't think that'll happen. I just like to always, I'm you know, feeling sh- it will be. <laughs> show that, yeah, it's definitely going to be around forever, but I like to show like the worst case <clears throat> scenario. Um, the history books will write how inclusive our community is and how, um, how P- it, this community and this industry empowered people still empowers people to be whoever they want to be and do whatever they want to do because crypto is so new and so crazy still. It still is crazy. It yeah. still is like, what the hell is are we doing? What the hell is going on? What are we? Who are we? And so I look forward to, to, to meeting the people and to going to the conferences with you, of course, and you travel with me everywhere. So um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you very um, much. This is a pleasure. I know you. I know you're you're doing auditions and and things like that. You're very busy, but you know I appreciate you coming to the studio with me here and 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 talking and coming on the show. And and I think our listeners are really going to love what you have to say. Thanks, love. I love you. I love you too. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Scott Offord, the creator of Crypto Mining. Scott's a broker of ASIC Mining Gear and helps people buy and sell their miners. He created a Bitcoin mining profitability calculator and an interactive ASIC hardware comparison chart that you can find at CryptoMining.Tools. It's the only free online tool for calculating profitability and days to ROI. That includes the impact of the Bitcoin block reward having. The calculator lets you put in your estimated uptime to give you a more realistic profit projections. So check it out and find Scott on Telegram and Twitter at O-F-F-O-R-D-S-C-O-T-T. This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by eToro, the smartest crypto trading platform and one of the largest in the world with over $1 trillion in trading volume per year. U.S. customers can trade the most popular crypto assets with low and transparent fees. And if you're not ready to trade yet, practice building your crypto portfolio with the eToro $100,000 virtual trading feature. Best of all, you can connect with 11 million other eToro traders around the world, myself included, to discuss trading, charts, and all things crypto. Create an account at etoro.com. Links in the show notes and build your crypto portfolio the smart way. New episodes go live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. EST. Links to our Apple and Spotify channels are in the show notes. You can also follow me on Twitter, Charlie Shrem, to continue the conversation. See you next week.